Uh, we are finishing our series called Bring It Today. We are going to be done. Bring It Part 6. And uh, we have gone through all kinds of stuff. Do you want to see revival? Oh man, oh man, so do I. I want to see revival. It's important to define that because that can mean a lot of different things to different people. And so far through this series, we have defined it as people fully yielding to God. When people fully yield to God, I consider that to be revival. Other people think, well, it has to be from at least one Sunday night to the next Sunday night. You have to meet every evening and there has to be all this stuff that goes on. Okay, that's fine. If people are fully yielding to God there, that's a revival. But people can fully yield to God in other ways. And there can be amazing things that happen. And I am fully convinced that if we do our part, God will do His part. Amen? I've heard too many times, well... Whatever the Lord's will is. Well, whatever, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Well, let's do our part. God will do His part. I'm fully convinced that all of the problems on the earth are not on God's end, but somewhere else. Usually with people, there is the devil and demons and things like that. So, I mean, it's more than just people causing problems. So we gotta be aware of that. But, We want to see the mighty hand of God move. And when we fully submit to God, fully yield to God, He moves in powerful ways. God will do His part every time. And we have talked about all kinds of stuff that we need to bring. We need to bring a humble heart and a contrite heart. If we bring that rather than my plan, my idea, I've got this right, uh, I'm all critical and that sort of thing. We've got a problem. We need to bring the right spiritual climate. If everybody comes to church and, church and is like, all right, Larry, impress me. You know, I'll worship, but you've got to earn it from me. You know, eh, that's going to be tough, right? Be ready to worship. I know people, they take it on as a ministry to worship God in terrible worship services where the music is awful. And they just are like, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to worship through this horrible music and just bring in the presence of God. That is a gift. Especially if you're a worship leader. You're like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so bring the right spiritual climate. Bring a towel. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He was uh, willing to clean them up and humble Himself, take a position below them, in order to, uh, in order to lift them up. We need to be able to do that for one another. Bring your talents. Bring your abilities. Don't bury them in the ground. Bringing your abilities is very, very important. If you bury them in the ground, it turns out poorly. When we look at the scriptures, the person who buried his talent in the ground was not well received. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't want that. And, uh, Just because the church is imperfect is not a good excuse for bearing your talent. If you show up before the throne and you say, well, there weren't any decent churches, so I couldn't use my talent. Oh, right, of course. Come on. You know, no, that's not going to work. That's not going to be a good excuse. You know, well, the other people were messed up, so I couldn't serve you. It's not going to work. So bring your talents. And then uh, last week we talked about being spirit led in tithes and offerings. Bring your offering. 
So that was fun. Nobody threw anything at me and I was very excited about it. So praise God. Another important piece. Today, bring someone else. (laughs) Amen? Bring someone else. Don't just bring yourself. Uh, we'll talk about this in a sec, but uh, churches get internally focused and they deal with themselves, their own issues, their own wants and needs, and they forget that we have a purpose in Christ that is outside of us. We need to bring someone else. We're not here to enjoy church. That's not the purpose of church. The purpose of church is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything that Jesus taught. That's our function. That's our purpose. And so we need to be outside of that. We need to bring someone else. Did you know that Jesus is about loving people? You heard it here first. Jesus is about loving people. He's about Christians loving each other. Let's look at John, 30, John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus is about Christians loving each other. Look what it says here. Jesus is talking. And this is the end of His earthly ministry. This is right at the end, shortly before the crucifixion. A new command I give you. Love one another. Is this new? It's not new. I mean, obviously they were to love one another, but something new was going to happen. The Christ was going to be crucified because He loved others. And He wanted, Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples understood the significance of how they should love one another. Again, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Is this, it says must. Is this a a new suggestion? A new guideline? A new rule of thumb I give you? A new command? A new option that if you really felt like doing, you could do. But if you don't feel like it, it's perfectly fine. No! A new command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is very big on us loving the people that are in with Jesus. Amen? The people in with Jesus need to love the people who are in with Jesus. Is that it? Let's see here. Let's go to John 3.16. Who else are we supposed to love? John 3.16. This is an example For God so loved the world. Who is the world? That, I would say, is everybody that's not in with Jesus. That would be a good description of what this word means in this context. Everybody that's not in with Jesus. For God so loved everyone that's not in with Jesus that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God loves everyone who's not in with Jesus. Amen? You knew that before, right? Alright, we'll get, we'll get to new places, I'm sure. But we need to make sure that we understand this because if God loves people who aren't in with Jesus and we are the children of God and we are to be about God's business, then what do we need to do? 
We need to love those who are not in with Jesus. Amen? Amen. This is very foundational. This is very fundamental. This is essential. Now, it isn't the knowledge of this that causes problems. I think people know this. It's the application. So we're going to apply it. We're going to try to understand what it means to love people from a church context, basically. From a Good Hope Church context. How are we supposed to love people? How do we bring someone else? You know, uh, love is not the same as not hating. Did you know that? To love someone is not the same as not hating someone. Did I just ruin your day? All right. It's a Holy Spirit ruined day. The Holy Spirit ruined my life. I can tell you that. I got a whole different life now than the one I had before. And I like the other one. Uh, but this one is much better. So, to love someone is different from just not hating them. There are lots and lots of people on this earth that I don't hate, most of whom because I don't even know them. To be neutral, to not deal with someone, isn't to love them. God is calling us to actively participate in loving each other, to actively participate in loving the world, in this sense of reaching out to the world with the love of God. Not in the sense of participating in the sins of the world, but in the sense of reaching out and loving people and helping them to find Jesus, helping them to be in with Jesus. So we are to actively love people. Uh, you cannot actively love 50,000 people, in my opinion. Maybe I don't have the capacity that some other people have. I mean, I can care about them, but in this context of doing something, of, you know, man, you get some cookies brought to your house, that's somebody loving you. Amen? That's an act of love. That's something tangible, and that's what we're called to do. These, a smile, a handshake, a, an ear when somebody needs to talk, all of these things are loving one another. So, let's talk about this. Bring someone else. Two pieces. First piece. Go get them. Amen? Go get them. They're out there. We need to go get them. Alright, let's look at John 4, verse 35. John 4, 35. You have seen this before. Do This is Jesus speaking again. He says, Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying it looks hard. It looks like there's no one out there that will respond to the gospel message. It looks difficult, like our culture is going away from God. But if you look more closely, there are all kinds of people who are hurting. All kinds of people who need to know about the love of God. All kinds of people who are open to the Creator of the universe touching them and healing them and making their life better. There are all kinds of people open to that. Don't say after this 
Then we'll do something. Right now, the fields are white to the harvest. I don't believe that. Uh, how do I say this properly? Make it come out right. Here's an editing op opportunity for the sermon notes. Um, I believe this more and more the longer I'm a believer in Christ. The fields are ripe for the harvest. I believe it more and more. Each year that I follow Christ, I believe it more. I believe people who are completely hardened against God can come in. More and more. The more people I see touched by God, the more it shows me the fields are ripe to the harvest. The opportunity is there. I didn't think this person would ever cry out to God. But look at that. It's starting to happen. It's amazing. The fields are ripe for the harvest. So, who's going to do this harvesting? Let's go to Luke chapter 10. My favorite, my favorite uh, set of scriptures that deals with this particular topic because uh, there's stuff in Matthew, different places where, where Jesus says, go out and do some harvesting. But here in Luke chapter 10 is my favorite one. So, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of Him to every town and place where He was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. So what is He asking them to pray for? People to go. People to be willing to set out and be harvesters in the harvest field. It says pray for that. Pray for harvesters. What's the next word? Go! <laughs> I am sending you out. Like lambs among wolves. That's why we need to pray for our church planters and missionaries and people who are, are on the front lines. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus says, pray about that and then go be a worker. <laughs> pray about people rising up into their calling and then go do it. Praise God. Now, I believe there are people who are specifically called to be evangelists. There are people who are specifically called to do construction. There are people specifically called to be church cleaners. You shouldn't feel guilty because your calling is to clean the church. Oh, I should be Billy Graham. I should be winning hundreds of souls every day. You know, do your thing. There will be times where you'll get to share with somebody. There will be those times. And uh, be comfortable with who God made you to be. Alright, go get them. Again, I think you guys have heard that before. We should go get them. Hopefully that was stirring and you're like, yeah, let's go get them. They're ready. They need Jesus and they're, they're open. Because you meet people every day that they need the Lord. But let's look at the second piece. Piece one, go get them. The second piece of bringing someone in, bring someone else, is we've got to let them in. You know, we've we got to go get them. But we've got to let them in. Amen? 
This is less talked about, but I think it's more significant. There are people seeking. They're looking. They're trying to find. But they need to be let in. We are the ones who do that. Ooh. I always have something tough in my notes. You know that? There's usually something pretty strong in there. Look at this. Sometimes the reception is different when someone comes to church than it was when the prodigal came home. Sometimes the reception is different when someone comes to church than it was when the prodigal came home. If we are the body of Christ and somebody far from God comes in, what would the godly thing to do be? It would be to kill the fattened calf. It would be to bring a robe and a ring. It would be to celebrate, to be extremely excited. But a lot of churches are full of older brothers. You know the older brother in the prodigal son story? We're going to pick that up in Luke. Let's look at the older brother. This is a part of this story that's probably focused on less, though people do deal with it. So we're picking it up. The uh, prodigal son has come home, and we know the father every time is going to kill the fattened calf. He's going to celebrate. This is God's character. He will do this every time. When we come with a humble and contrite heart, He will run to us every time. So that's where we're picking it up. Here we go. Luke 15, starting in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. It's like, what? I don't like that guy. That guy has treated my father very poorly. I don't like him. So the older brother gets angry. And he refuses to participate. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come ho comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What if the older brother had seen the prodigal first? That's often what happens when somebody comes to church. The older brother gets to him before Jesus does. Isn't that terrible? We don't want that, do we? 
We want to have open doors. We want to have open arms. We want to be ready to go. Oh, yeah, we can do her. All right. Jesus had some harsh things to say about this whole concept. Let's go to Matthew 23, verse 13. This is, again, in the woes chapter. Matthew 23, Jesus is yelling at the religious people, and He says this in verse 13. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Is this a brand new dynamic? No, this has been going on for millennia. You don't enter and you won't let people who are trying to. You're not engaging with the Lord and you won't let other people engage with the Lord. You're not living a born-again life and you're not letting other people be born again. You're just messing it up for everybody. In the negative sense, we call that religion. All right. Let me give you my vehicle, my vision vehicle vacancy speech. You ready? Vision vehicle vacancy. I do my best. You know the vision of Good Hope Church? Reach up, rise up, reach out. Amen? That's the vision. Reach up, connect with God, stay connected with God, stay dependent on God, rise up. Get out of the junk you're stuck in, the miry clay, the things that you are lamenting that are pulling you down into that new creation, the place, the person that God made you to be. And then reach out. Bring someone else. Let the gospel out into the world to touch people. Reach up, rise up, reach out. That's the vision. The vehicle, the tool that we're using to accomplish the vision is the local church. That's the tool. So like we have worship time. We're going to reach up to God. We have prayer time. We're going to reach up to God. We have uh, Monday night. We have the praise night. We're going to praise God. We're going to do that. The vehicle is the local church. But what we're doing is, is we're reaching up. And then we got rise up. And so, Pastor Mike yells at people and complains about all kinds of stuff and say, you get better at being a Christian and all that stuff. That's what he does. And meanwhile, he's forgot something very, very important. Who wants to be my helper? I need somebody to help me. Chris, Chris, you're the man, man. Parenthetical note. Okay, down in the prayer room. You know those take five cards? Okay, so here's my messy desk. There's a cabinet here. Give me a bunch of those cards. Woo! Chris is the man. All right, so you got the vision, right? He is. He's doing an awesome job. Vision, reach up, rise up, reach out. Vehicle, the local church. And then we do outreaches through the local church. We have YWAM come in. We do all kinds of stuff. We even Sunday morning is, a, is an outreach. Anybody can come. It's open to the public. Show up. We'll tell you about God. We'll pray with you. So reach up, rise up, reach out. Local church is the vehicle. There has to be a vacancy in the vehicle. There has to be an opening. There has to be an opportunity for people to come in. We've got the vision that we want to accomplish with the vehicle, but there has to be a vacancy. If there's no vacancy, no one can get in the vehicle, and we're not going to accomplish the vision.
the pastor normally sees it from the perspective of vision. Then, well, we have this this vehicle, very important. We must use the vehicle. And then, off in the distance is, I hope there's room for people. But, vision is the big thing in the pastor's mind. You are awesome. Thank you, thank you. I'll take a whole big bunch of those. Somebody new coming in, what order do they see it? They see vacancy first. Vacancy is huge. <laughs> do, I, do Is there room for me here? Then the vehicle, they look at the church, and then later on they find out about the vision. Oh, they want to connect with God. That's good. I like that. You know, then we'll get better. Yeah, he's kind of does say some strong things, doesn't he? And you know, and you got small groups or the rise up thing, and you know all this. It's it's backwards for the new person coming in. They see vacancy first. Do I fit here? Is there room for me here? So leadership can miss this because they're so hung up on the vision part. But boy, what's the most important thing for people coming in? If we're going to bring somebody, we've got to make sure the doors aren't locked. We've got to make sure that there's a vacancy. We've got to make sure there's room. Amen? Have you ever gone to church and you just knew there is not room for me here? There are lots of reasons for that. We're going to go over just a few. All right. How do churches inadvertently lock the door? Because most churches have empty seats but the doors are locked in a figurative sense you can't get in even though there's empty seats you can't get in the door the vehicle is locked so how do churches inadvertently lock the door to the kingdom i'm going to whip through a few fairly quickly here number one internal focus internal focus We're just all about us. We don't notice to open the door and let somebody in because we're dealing with our own things in the car. You know how long it takes for a church plant to become internally focused? Because at the beginning, you're externally focused because you got no people. You know, so you're like, oh, somebody needs to come. And anybody comes through the door, you're like, yay. It's just like the fattened calf. Let's kill the fattened calf. Bring rope. Yay. Somebody actually showed up. I'm so happy. You know, and, and everybody is happy that people are actually coming. You know how long it takes for churches to become internalized and be just dealing with each other and their own little things and not look out anymore? Three years. We're at three and a half. Time to keep our eyes out. Because right now, we're financially self-sufficient. We've got enough people to fill the little slots that we've got for volunteers. And we've got awesome friendships growing and that sort of thing. It's going great. We don't need any darn people coming in here and messing it up. Click, just lock the door. Right? Somebody's going to come in here and take my position as shoveler. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, I was meaning to put that on somebody else, but yeah. Internal focus. Lots of manifestations for that. Um, Individually, 
It's people not being servants of God, but being consumers of church. You know, we're called to be servants of God, not consumers of church. Amen? Consumers of church are internally focused. Servants of God are externally focused. People can get this idea of us. Our group. My people. No one else gets to be in this group. Let's read Mark 9.38. This is one of the most devastating Scriptures I've ever read from its implications. Mark 9.38. John is talking to Jesus and he brings this report. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Well, you've got to be one of the twelve to be driving out demons. We don't even know who you are. You can't possibly be a real Christian. You're not in our group. We've got to realize that the us includes the people we don't know who are following Jesus. Amen? I've seen too many churches want the lost to be saved as long as we're saving them, but we don't want the church down the street saving the lost. That'd be a disaster. That's horrifying. Another thing is church clicks. That's an internal focus. Church clicks. That's kind of fun. Click. It's the sound of the doors to the church being locked. Click. So, hey, I need you to talk to people you don't know. Amen? If you know somebody really well, talk to them on Tuesday. You know, but, and it's, it's nice to see your friends on Sunday, but you, people who are in cliques don't know it unless they're evil. You know, but the other people, it, but I mean, seriously, I, you know what I mean? If you're like, we're going to exclude those people, you know, that's, that's evil, you know? But if you just see somebody that's your friend, so you talk to them and you're just like, oh, so great to see you. And somebody else walks by and tries to make eye contact and doesn't and can't get it. You don't know you're in a clique. You don't mean to be exclusive. But that person knows they don't belong because no one would look at them. Right? Talk to somebody you don't know. Or you'll inadvertently be a click. Wear your name tag. Your, your little uh, Sunday school name tag. What do they call those? Your children's church name tag. Because brand new people are going to come in and they're going to think, are my kids going to be safe here? Oh, look at all these people with name tags. Okay, they've got a system. That's great. Awesome. Door is open. And, every, you know, and I, I need to wear my name tag. So is everybody else. I told Trinette, I said, I need a name tag. God told me I need a name tag. She's like, I'll get you one in a couple weeks. I'm like, wow, that's not going to work for the sermon today. (laughs) But I will. Absolutely. I I do need a name tag. You know what I mean? Because people go, who's that guy? Yeah, he's like, that guy seems pretty comfortable. You know, who is that? I'm Pastor Mike from Good Hope Church in Cocaine. Another way that churches get internally focused is they're worried about the budget 
rather than the kingdom. Worried about the budget rather than the kingdom. If you seek first the kingdom, He will add the budget unto you. Amen? Amen. We've seen that so far. We're going to continue doing that. How do churches inadvertently lock the door to the kingdom? How about this one? Vocal gifts operating in the service. How many people do you think don't come to Good Hope because we do prophetic words and tongues and interpretation on Sunday morning? My guess was a hundred. I know of quite a few specific people. And when you can get like 20 specific people, you know there's a lot more that are like, oh my gosh, I went to that service and some crazy person did some, I don't know what was going on. And they just run. Right? Does that lock the door to certain people? Yeah. And that breaks my heart. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I have made a commitment to do New Testament church. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 39 and 40. It says this, Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians about their main service. Be eager to prophesy. Man, when a word hits you, it can make a big difference in your life. This is a word from God for me. If it's not for you, you're probably thinking, that was a strange thing that person said. And that's going to happen for the majority of people. They're going to think, well, I don't. That didn't seem to connect with me. But when it hits you, you're like, oh, that was for me. Be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Oh. All right, Paul, you got it. Amen. I believe let me let me let me tell you something here. We are committed to New Testament, we're committed to tongues and interpretation, words of prophecy, we are also committed to decently and in order. That means that I know the people, I approve the people who are able to move in those ways. Now, not everybody who I have talked to about that and have approved know each other. So don't don't go all John and say, "Well, I don't know you." Well, I've I've talked to him. So trust me on that. Plus, you want to know something? Did you know that worship leaders can be like an A, awesome worship leader, or a B, or a C, or a D, or they're really not leading worship, they're just doing something and we're not sure what that is. Um it's the same thing with vocal gifts. Somebody can give a prophetic word and it's like a C minus. You know, it's not wrong. It's just okay. Did you know that? We're going to let those C minuses go. I mean, we'll let them happen. Um, that sort of stuff runs people off, which it, it does kill me. Me and Trinette, we are we agonize over this. 
Um, it runs people off. But you want to know something? We get miracles. There seems to be a correlation between the churches that let the Holy Spirit stuff happen and the churches that get miracles. We get root canals done. You know, we get hearing fixed. We get demons run out of little girls' bedrooms. We get, we get miracles. I'll, I'll take vocal gifts for miracles. Amen? Amen. Last one, inadvertent way of locking the door is just being unprofessional. You know, if things are unprofessional, somebody walks in, they're like, this is not very good. So they don't come back. It locks the door to people who are professional. Why would someone trust an unprofessional organization? It's just unrealistic. You know, if you cook bad food, would you expect people to come to your restaurant? No, that's unrealistic. That'd be stupid. Um, I'm getting an amen. All right. Let me, I'm going to, can I have my ushers? Or at least Chris? All right. Hand these out. Nice. You guys are, you guys are super awesome. Hand these out. While those are getting handed out, everybody should get one. In the church planting training, they found a list of eight things. The churches that do these eight things, only four out of every 10,000 churches that do these things well aren't growing. Four out of 10,000 aren't growing who do these eight things well. Let me, these are, uh, Put in the form of a question. This is how we can determine are we doing this professionally or not. Number one, how empowering is the leadership of your church? Do you help people rise up into who they were created to be? How functional are the ministry structures in your church? You have name tags for children's church. How passionate are your people in pursuing spiritual things? When they show up, do they want God? How inspiring are your worship services? Does the, the singer person and the talker person, are they exciting? How need-focused is your evangelism approach? Do you look out there and see what's needed, or do you think, I want to sing a song and have everybody come? How gift-oriented is your recruitment and placement of individuals in volunteer and vocational ministry? So do you put people in spots that they're good at? How loving are the relationships in your church? Do people care about each other or is there a lot of strife? And how effective are the small groups in your church? If those eight things are happening, 9,996 out of 10,000 churches are growing if those eight things are happening. We're going to pray. I'm going to have the uh, the prayer team come forward. You got one of these cards. It's a take five card. Because we need to bring someone else. Someday I'm going to have a new car. Can I bring that to heaven with me? No. Can I bring Good Hope Church with me?
Am I going to be Pastor Mike from Good Hope Church in heaven? No. What can I bring? We can bring people to heaven with us. It's the only thing we can bring from this world. Other people. So we put these cards together. Take five. Take five minutes. Five days a week to pray for five people. Take five. As we pray, I want you to either write down five names or, well, that's what I want you to do. I want you to write down five names of people you pray for. These could be unsaved people. These could be people that are Christians. I don't care who they are. If we've got everybody praying for five people, what a difference that would make. So I'm going to close. The prayer team is up here. If you have a prayer need, I want you to come forward and get prayer. Um, as we pray again, pray about who you're going to put on your card and make a commitment. Five minutes to bring something, to bring someone with you into eternal life. So let's pray. Father, I thank You that You have given us ripe fields right in front of us. Lord, there are people that want to know You and they've come at locked doors. Lord, help us to see how we've locked doors and help us to open them. Lord, so that people can come in, not just to the church, which is nice, but to Your kingdom, which is awesome. Lord, guide us in picking the five people You'd have us pray for that we could make a difference in the spirit world so that people's hearts could be opened or they could be encouraged and strengthened and brought into the next phase of their service to You or whatever the case may be. Guide us in who to pray for. And Lord, I just, I just pray courage over anyone that is, is feeling like they need to come up for prayer, but they're, they're hesitating. Well, give them the courage just to come up, receive prayer. But lots of people come up and lots of wonderful things happen. So Lord, I thank You for that. Give us grace. Give us peace. Lord, help us to walk in Your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come down for prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know. Encourage them in the Lord.